Griffin, the senior point guard from Brooklyn. Beautiful move there. Griffin trying to take. Got it. And a foul. This is the Alan Griffin Show. Here's your host, Stephen Fonte. It's the second edition of the Alan Griffin Show, and we've got another member of the team, Mike Waters, joining us here in studio as well, along with Alan Griffin. Mike, how are you tonight? I'm good, Steve. How you doing? Hello, Alan. I'm doing great. Hey, Mike. How's everything? I'm good, man. Yeah. So, first regular season game in the books, Alan. Uh, easy win, 66-34. Uh, I know you had the scout for Eastern Washington. You got to know these guys uh, pretty good over the course of the last week or so. And uh, you held them to ten points in the first half, thirty-four for the game. It was all, it was all, co- it was all scouting. Nice job, was, on, the, <laughs> nice nice job on the scout. Nice job on the scout. No, in all seriousness, though, what uh, you know, what what allowed you guys defensively to have so much success uh, last night against Eastern Washington? I think we overwhelmed them with our, with our like length and af- af- athleticism. Excuse me. Um, uh, we were just all over the place, and we did a good job of deflecting some balls and you know turning those uh, deflection into points and. Uh, you know, once we was able to kind of get going, especially defensively, it was hard to turn us back. Coach Bayham at, at, at halftime uh, told Matt Park and the guys about he he wasn't happy with the offense. No. But no. when he was talking about the defense, he was so unhappy about the offense, he wasn't even crediting the defense. He said something like, well, that's because Eastern Washington had to fly 3,000 miles, and that's why they're missing <laughs> shots. Yeah, I, I think we did a good job of taking those, you know, running those guys off the spots. Um and, um, you know, in our pressure defense, we were able to, you know, get some traps, keeping guys in traps, which we struggled a little bit in practices the last couple of weeks. Uh, but we were able to keep those guys in traps, get some deflections and, you know, again, score off those uh, deflections. Yeah, talking about the pressure defense a little bit, it, it's something we saw you guys go to quite a bit uh, last night. And in the past, maybe we've seen it when you've you've needed it. You think this team will use it? To its advantage, even in you know first half of games and and whatnot, and not necessarily as an emergency. Oh, we're down ten. We got to go to the press, but just as a as a way to mix things up a little bit. Oh yeah, um, you know uh, the one thing that we sat uh, in on as a staff with Coach Patino, who is one of the best coaches in the country, who's one of the best one of the best coaches in you know the history of college basketball, and uh, we picked his brain about you know every pressure defense that he had, and uh, we came up with you know the two two one which kind of you know leads and falls back into our you know our, you know our traditional two three zone, and um, uh, and then you know we picked his brain about our pressure defense and what we can do and, and what we can do better and. Um, you know, when we came, the results from that, excuse me, uh, was uh, just to be active. Uh, and and, and, and we, we've been really active in practice and, you know, leading into this game here. So, you know, we, could be ha- we can't be any happier than what we are in terms of the defense. So when you're in a full court press, are there, is the goal, does the goal sometimes change? Is the goal sometimes we want to pressure them and get turnovers and quick baskets or other times where you just want to make them work to get the ball over half court? And then when they get the ball, then then they have less time to go against the zone. Yeah, I think it's both. Um, you know, in, in certain situations, you know, certain teams they kind of get antsy, especially when you, you when you pressure in and, and 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 you're trying to speed them up. And and you know what, you can, can just create a turnover just by being in your pressure. But you know, sometimes too, you can kind of ratchet it up a little bit. And uh, you know, try to force a trap before half court, and and get those guys to turn the ball over. And I thought, you know, um, last night's game, we did a little bit of both, which really helped us 
uh, put some points on the board, but also to uh, just, uh, you know, be happy with what we've been going, what we've been doing every day in practice. Sometimes the the points off turnover statistic can be deceiving. Like the Syracuse women yesterday forced, I think, twenty seven turnovers, and they they turned it into twenty nine points. And and I think you know one to one, that's about the ratio you normally see. You guys forced nineteen turnovers, thirty three points off turnovers. A lot of those, and and they were directly results of the you know the, the points were directly resulting from the turnovers, which you don't always see. That's why I say it can be deceiving. The pressure defense was was turning into easy buckets and and, and easy layups for you guys. You know what, last year we struggled on getting easy baskets. So, you know, this year uh, being able to get easy baskets, especially in game one, it just it helps. Uh, you know, because, you know, Tyus, O'Shea, you know, those guys, you know, they're they not going to have it every night. Um, and for us, to, for us to be able to go out there and just create some easy baskets just so far defense is, is, is big time for us. I was also thinking about the, the full court press. Coach Beheim likes to use the 2-3 zone. Right. He's not going to come out of it. Right. So the other team never sees a diff- different defense. But by using the press, do every once in a while you do get to kind of change things up on the other team? Oh, definitely. And and I think, uh, you know, coming into that game, I can bet you 90% Eastern Washington thought that we were just going to kind of go back into our 2-3 zone and, you know, play our traditional 2-3, two, three, 2-3 zone and, and try to force uh, opportunities out of that. And, um, uh, us being able to go, you know, switch up the defenses, you know, our pressure defenses with the two two one and the one two one one, and uh, it, it kind of, I think, it threw them off a little bit. As you look at the individual performances uh, from last night, Allen, uh, only one guy in double figures in the entire game, either team, and that was was O'Shea Brissett. Let's start with him. Uh, he seems like a man on a mission, and I, I know it's only been two preseason games and, and a regular season game, but the the attack mentality that he seemed to take the floor with last night, he seems like a different player, maybe a more confident player. He was confident last year, but he, it seems like he's taken that part of his game to another level coming into this year. Definitely. He um, worked on his uh, three-point shooting, his outside shot tremendously this year, and uh, this summer, excuse me. Uh, he put a lot of time in, and... Um, uh, what he did yesterday, which really made us happy as a coaching staff, was he was able to get on the offensive glass. Now, he it might not show up in the uh, stat book. He only had two offensive rebounds, but uh, he got his hands on tips. He was able to tip the ball out to you know Pascal and some of the other guys who uh, who got some offensive rebounds. But he was a man amongst boys yesterday in the second half, uh, going to the offensive glass. You know, he averaged nearly 15 points a game as a freshman and nearly nine rebounds, and those are outstanding numbers. But once the season was over, and you're, I know you're doing your postseason critiques of these guys, you probably sat O'Shea down and said, you know what, 35% from the field isn't going to cut it as a sophomore. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's one of the things that Coach really hopped on, uh, especially in this preseason, is being able for him to being able to finish around the basket is big for us as a team because, uh, you know, Pascal and Barama, and, you know our inside guys. Uh, they're, they're coming to their own still, and with a guy like O'Shea, with the experience that he had last year, uh, and, and his abilities and his athleticism, he should be able to score around the basket a lot, m- much more efficient than he did last year. And uh, I thought this summer, this fall, you know, and obviously, you know, coming into the first game, he was able to do that and. Uh, uh, the sky's the limit for the kid. 315-437-7644 if you have a, a question for Alan Griffin. And, and Coach, you know, so much has been made about the, the lack of 
of point guards being available to start the season. Obviously, the the three of them were out uh, during the preseason. You get Jalen Carey back last night. You get Howard Washington back last night. But Tyus Battle still starts at the point. How much has that affected the flow of the offense? Like I, I think you would agree. Last night wasn't statistically your best offensive game. You guys were only 3-for-17 from three-point range, and I would assume you expect things will, will be a little more fluid once Frank comes back. How much is the fact that he's out and that Jalen Carey's been out and Howard Washington's been out, how much has that affected you guys through the first, you know, the two preseason games and the one last night? You know, I think Tyson's is doing a really good job playing the point. Um, you know, he, he can affect, you know, us, you know, shooting three for 17. I, I don't think that's all on his shoulders. Sure. Uh, you know, uh, we got some clean looks. And, you know, I'll give Buddy Beheim all the shots that he took last night uh, again for the next three games, and I bet you he won't miss. He won't go one for ten, you know. Uh, so uh, Tyus is doing a really, really good job. You know, Elijah Hughes went zero for three in the game, and again, you know, the same thing. Like Buddy, I will, I'll give him no shots any day of the week, and I'll bet you he'll shoot a higher percentage than that. It was just one of those games where you know we didn't shoot it well, and you're going to have games like that. And lucky for us, it was our first game, so we were able to concentrate. Uh, on that uh, this uh, tonight in practice, and uh, I, I think uh, Saturday night uh, will be a better result. All right, so let me ask you this then: if it, if it hasn't affected the the rest of the guys, how much has it impacted Tyus and the fact that he was three for ten last night? And again, his his looks are coming in a different way than he's used to his looks coming. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and, and you know, the one thing that you know, coach has really stressed to Tyus is Tyus needs to be Tyus. You know, Tyus needs to be aggressive on the offensive end and pick his spots. Don't think that, you know, because you're starting at the point, quote-unquote, you have to play like a point, quote-unquote. You know, Russell Westbrook is one of the ultimate point guards because, you know, he he doesn't think like a traditional point guard. He thinks like Russell Westbrook, the point guard. You know what I mean? And I think that's the thing that Tyus has to, you know, take into effect. He's just got to go out there, be Tyus, and just make the right play. Uh, and just get us into something when we need to settle down, and I think the you know everything will be good for us. Yeah, I was wondering about the point guard situation, but not so much in games. But how much does it affect the way you guys can practice, especially five on five, when you don't have any point guards, and that means even Tyus is going up probably against a walk on. How's that affect practice? Yeah, it affect practice a little bit. Um, at the end of the day, I, I think that's why you kind of hand select the walk ons that you do, <laughs> uh, because you know you need these guys to go out there sometimes in these you know in these given moments and you know be able to fill the void so to speak. Then uh, I think collectively our walk ons have done a really good job of, uh, of of helping the team and from that aspect. But you know, again, I don't care if it's you know one of the top defenders and you know in the NBA or college basketball you know again Tyus if he's at the point he's just got to be able to beat Tyus and just go out there and again just play the way play his game and and get us into something where we need to be settled down you, did, you didn't have to play point in practice oh, no. the past couple weeks. You know, when you asked the question, I was actually thinking that. Why did I just put Allen There's on an option. option. You know, I think the, the closest the, the closest person that can do that is Jerry McNamara, not me. I can't get out there no more, man. <laughs> Tyson runs circles around me. Um, so, obviously, these questions and this topic goes away once Frank is back. Uh, we, we had heard that, you know, 
He had returned to practice in that he was taking shots and so on and so forth. He's obviously out of the boot by now. Can you give us any sort of update on, on how he's doing, how he's looking, how he's feeling, anything as uh, as you get ready now for Moorhead State on Saturday? I think Frank is progressing. I, I think um, Frank will be out there when Frank is ready to be out there, to be honest. Um, you know, today he was shooting, doing some stuff off the dribble. So, you know, until the medical staff and Frank – you know, come together and say, okay, I'm t- it's time. You know, it's just, you know, we just got to wait. Uh, and at the same time, you know, uh, it gives guys like Buddy, guys like Jalen, guys like Elijah, all the experience that they need in order to keep moving forward and just keep making our team better, especially at that position, the guard position. Is that kind of the shame of this whole thing? With, with If Frank was going to be out, the, the fact that Jalen turned his ankle <laughs> in the orange-white, I mean, he— Jalen really could have been getting a lot of time uh, mm-hmm. while Frank was out, and he hasn't been able to. Oh yeah, you know, and and you know, Jalen came back a couple of days ago. He hit the ground running, which he's done a really good job. And surprisingly, he's done the job that he's done, uh, uh, given the time that he missed. But um, that's why these guys play in AAU basketball at the level that they play. You know, Jalen played in, in you know the EYBL, the Nike circuit, and you playing against some of the top players night in and night out, you know, when you, when, when you miss a significant amount of time, uh, you know, coming back is a little bit easier now, uh, nowadays, where, you know, when I played, you know, missing that time, I don't know, it took me a half a season to come back. <laughs> it, it seems like there's no panic either, that it's, you know, you guys know that you want to play deep into March, and that the games in November, while important, they're not as important as you know January, February, and March, and you want Frank to get right, and then when he's ready, he comes back. Is that I mean, is that accurate to say that there's no panic and take your time, Frank, and when you're 100, percent we'll bring you back. Definitely, I you know the one thing that uh, coaches is about you know next man up, you know, and uh, we got some really good freshmen. Uh, also, too, we got guys like Elijah who sat out and who's ready uh, uh, to 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 fill a void for us and um you know we just go by the next man mentality and um and 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 when frank gets back frank is back all right that's alan griffin mike waters here in studio as well i'm Stephen fonte we do need to take our first time out but plenty more basketball talk on the way got 45 minutes left in the show if you'd like to check in at 315-437-7644 we're going to step aside we're back after this on the alan griffin show you're listening to espn radio this is the Alan Griffin Show. Here's your host, Stephen Fonte. Stephen Fonte, Mike Waters, Alan Griffin with you up until 9 o'clock. 315-437-7644 if you'd like to check in as we look back on SU's season-opening victory, 66-34 over Eastern Washington. Uh, defensively, we talked about how, how good you guys were uh, yesterday, Alan. You know, offensively... O'Shea was great, scored 20, and then kind of mixed reviews from there. You missed a lot of shots, and I think we all expect you know everybody's going to bounce back as you go in, into the Moorhead State game. But as for for your position, we talk about Pascal Chuku and Barama Sidibe almost being you know one guy. Combine their stats. Pretty good game out of those two when all said and done. Uh, they combined for 14 points. They combined for eight rebounds. They played about, uh, what, 30, 31 minutes uh, between the two of them. Overall, were you happy with uh, the player centers last night? Not really, to be honest, you know, because I think we I think as a group, as a unit, we left a lot on the board, you know, especially from the free throw line. Sure. And uh, also to around the basket with Barama missing, you know, a little chippy. You know, I count all that. I'm I'm really on those guys about, you know, uh, being a part of, you know, the game within the game. 
you know, and and it starts by practice and every day in practice. As soon as you step on the court, your your focus has to be heightened, you know. Uh, and I just thought that in certain parts of that game, uh, because of the score, uh, for for my group, I thought that we weren't as focused and as a sharp. And I told those guys today in practice that, you know, and it's not it probably won't catch up to you in another twenty point game or another thirty point game, but it'll catch up to you when you you know you're down by one at Duke, you know what I mean, or or Carolina or something like that. So I was kind of disappointed from that aspect. You know, I was kind of happy that they were able to you know put some balls in the basket and you know and and, and help the team defensively. But for the, for the, for the most part, I just wanted our guys. I want them to be super sharp. Your guys, the the big guys, have the hardest time in some of these early season non conference games because the other team isn't going to have a six foot ten guy or even a six nine guy, and you know, and and they're going to spread the floor with like four guards. You know, like the guards can guard guards, right? And forwards can guard forwards, but your big guys don't often get the match against the center in some of these games. Well, that's the challenge, and that's why I want our guys to be super sharp and be up for the challenge. Because if those guys are ready for that, uh, when teams flash in guards into the high post, you know, we 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 done it before. You know, we we're, we're ready for that. You know, some with some of the better teams. Excuse me. So uh, I I just want our guys to be super. F- you know, sharp, super focused, and just ready for all challenges. And if these guys are ready for all challenges, we'll 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 be uh, we'll be pretty good. We saw uh, Merrick Dolzhai uh, play the five again, mm-hmm. and, and last week uh, on the show you mentioned we might see Merrick at the five, and it might not be out of necessity. It might just be because it's a good matchup to to put him uh, in the middle. So, kind of a two part question: uh, your thoughts on how he did in the five spot. The, the other question is. You know, how much do you you get a chance, if at all, to work with him in practice, or is he strictly working with the forwards these days? Uh, one, he's strictly working with the forwards. Um, but when we come together, uh, right before practice officially starts, and we work on our zone, um, you know, I get a chance to talking to him and and working through some of the kinks at the five spot. Uh, and 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 Merrick is a smart player, probably one of the smarter players I've been around. In my days of college, you know, coaching, um, and um, the one thing is, is that he'll adjust. Uh, and I thought that in certain, you know, parts of the game when he played the five, he adjusted. You know, and uh, he'll be fine at the five. You know, he not he's not gonna go out there and uh, you know block shots like Pascal. Sure. But the one thing he would do is being in the right place at the right time. Uh, in which positioning is everything in the zone. You know, if you're in the right position, it's always gonna be successful for you. How's his English when you're talking to him? <laughs> you know what? Good. You know he has a um, he has a girlfriend who's helping his English every day, so he's good. <laughs> Can we get her into the post game locker room because our interviews are brutal? <laughs> <laughs> how about the how about the comment that he had uh, to Donna last night about the the missing the point guards? And he said, "Yeah, it's like the the mom of the offense." I thought that, I've never heard that before. <laughs> never heard that analogy, but uh, it was a, it was a great that, analogy. That's, that's awesome. You missing know, the mom on the floor. It was a, it was a good night in the locker room last night. Oh, was it? Really? Well, well, Marek had the mom quote, and then Elijah Hughes, I asked him about O'Shea, and he just says, he's a dog. (laughs) And I'm like, I had to go look that up in my Urban Dictionary. (laughs) Yeah, you you know what? Um, uh, You know, Marek is a a a one-of-a-kind kid, to be honest with you. Um, 
his English is probably not the best. And sometimes he, you know, coach has to ask him twice to ask him, like, what are you trying to tell me? But uh, outside, <laughs> outside of that, um, probably one of the best playmakers we have on our team. Uh, he, he's, he gets his hands on balls. He gets tough rebounds, even though he weighs 102 pounds. Uh, but he also, he makes plays. Uh, when he's in there, in terms of being able to get assists and stuff like that or make p- plays for himself, uh, he's probably one of the best on our team. And, and what is this, him shooting threes all of a sudden? He made one in the preseason, and I, I joked with Seth Goldberg on our, our normal radio show in the afternoon. I said, you know, is he really going to do that during the regular season? And then the very first game, he steps out and buries a three. Is this part of his arsenal now? Definitely. It's, it's becoming one a part of his arsenal. He's worked extremely hard with Coach Autry. Um, they work during the day, uh, before practice. They work before pra- actually before practice, and he shoots after practice. And he's putting the time in and – you know, obviously, you know, last last night was the result, you know, with him banging uh, his shot. Uh, he made, you know, two perimeter shots, you know, one from the perimeter, one from three. Uh, he was three for three from from the field. So uh, sky's the limit for him. Are you guys comfortable with him shooting that shot? I mean, I assume if it goes in, you're comfortable. But even if he misses, like, are you it, – it, has, he, has he shown you enough in practice that you're comfortable with him taking that outside shot? I think so. Uh, I think his perimeter game, his perimeter shooting – was a big part of us making the run that we made last year. Yeah. Uh, now he wasn't, you know, banging threes, but he was making the fifteen to twenty feet jump shot, twenty foot jump shot. Excuse me, which stretched the defense so they couldn't kind of help off him either, you know, and, and and it just opened up a little bit more for guys like Tyus, Frank, and O'Shea. Three one five four three seven seventy six forty four is the number if you'd like to get involved. Uh, we do need to step aside. We're halfway home on the Alan Griffith Show. This the show always goes very quickly, but we've got thirty minutes left if you'd like to chime in. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. This is the Alan Griffin Show. Here's your host Stephen Fonte. Stephen Fonte, Mike Waters, Alan Griffin with you for another half hour on the Alan Griffin Show, 315-437-7644. If you'd like to check in during the break, uh, we were talking about Barama Sidibe, one of the players that you work with on a regular basis, Alan. Uh, He was banged up, obviously, last year. I think we saw against Pittsburgh, on the road at Pittsburgh, what this kid is capable of. Uh, Where is he now health-wise? Is he at or close to 100%? How's he doing as the season gets started? You know, Barama right now is at right around 80% and trending up. Um, our medical staff, you know, our strength and conditioning staff has done an unbelievable job with him, getting him to the point where he is now and continue to get him better. Uh, and, and, and hopefully we can get Barama, you know, especially going into conference play at as close to 100% as possible and he can be flying around and doing some of the things that we were accustomed to seeing him do, you know, early in his career. Is the the injury that he dealt with last year and then, you know, got right in the off season and is, and is coming back from, is it something that once he gets to 100% you feel like he's not going to have problems with it? Or is it something that might nag him and, and linger and, and bother him as things move forward? I think it's just going to be a maintenance issue. Yeah. You know, just maintaining... Uh, you know, the strength and, and, and just keep building the strength around, you know, the, the injury, but also to, you know, him just uh, being able to just go out there and just being himself. Is that hard or frustrating for both player and coach uh, when you have a young kid that you want him to play, you want him to practice, and, and but he's not quite 100% for this long? Oh, yeah, definitely. And, and you know, the one thing I, I would say is this, uh, especially last year, 
you know, a lot of people don't give Pascal a lot of credit, but he was a warrior for us, uh, especially not having another guy that can go in and sub at the center position, knowing that, you know, we needed Marac, you know, to play more four than five, uh, uh, you know, if needed. And, um, you know, Pascal did an unbelievable job for us last year. And, uh, yeah, you know, it, it can be frustrating sometimes, but for the most part, you just want the kid to feel good about himself and feel as healthy as possible. All right, so I know obviously you don't work with the guards, but you were a guard when you played at Syracuse. Uh, we got our first look at Jalen Carey last night in a in a Syracuse uniform. We saw him in the orange-white scrimmage, but only a limited amount of times. He hurt his ankle that night. He's back, played last night, had that nice play coast-to-coast coast for the layup. Uh, does he remind you of anyone? You've obviously seen him at practice and, and had a chance to you know to recruit him and, and whatnot. Does he remind you of anybody that uh, that maybe came through Syracuse that SU fans might remember? No, no one. Um, He's his own guy. Not not in my time of, you know, watching college basketball and also playing here at Syracuse, no one. um, You know, I would say the closest is is, uh, maybe Jason Hart on defense in terms of, you know, being able to uh, anticipate certain things in the zone and, and, you know, stealing the ball and uh, and his quickness from foul line to foul line. But I I think uh, Jalen is – almost two times faster than Jay, Jay Hart, um, you know, uh, from defense to offense. So uh, Jalen is an unbelievable talent. Uh, I will put him up against any young point guard in the country uh, from a talent perspective uh, and an ability perspective. So uh, big things expected from Jalen, you know, moving forward. All right, so let, let's play Dr. Frankenstein here. With yeah. All right, he's got Jason Hart's height. <laughs> Defense, you said Jason? Yeah. Speed? Jason. Really? Yeah. I haven't seen, I mean. Offense, shooting. I I would say Jason, not not so much Jason. He got my shooting. (laughs) Not so good. (laughs) (laughs) He has my shooting right now. Um, Attacking the basket. Oh, Um, wow. Man. Somebody threw out Johnny Flynn in Ooh, that regard. I, I, you know what? He's, he's that, as fast. Is yeah. he as fast as Johnny? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I, I would I, again. I will put him up and say it, to say like he's probably one of the fastest guards that we've had here since I've been watching basketball. Uh, and I and uh, you know I was watching Sherman those guys when I was a younger kid. So you know Red Autry, which he wasn't fast at all. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get personal on this show. Nah, you know what? That's my guy. Red nose is it's coming from the heart. So you're getting them back for last week calling you out with your pink tee, right? Uh, no, no question about it. <laughs> no well, comment. He, he, he plays he, golf with a pink tee. Just, just so you know. I thought it was, you were talking about like, like drinking. Like breakfast, no, English when breakfast he plays golf, tea. he's got he's got the pink tee. That's I got, it. I got we established Mike. We established that last week. Definitely. It's a, yeah. That's that's a thing. And Jerry called him out on the show last yeah, we last gotta, week. We got to update Mike on everything. Don't worry about it, Mike. <laughs> wow, I know. We got you. I, I feel like Frank Howard. I've missed one game. You missed one game. Uh, <laughs> missed. You forgot you the whole the offense. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot the whole offense. You hope Frank didn't forget the whole offense. The offense has been ran for forty years. The same stuff. So he better be ready. How about Elijah Hughes? Uh, you know, when we're talking about comparisons, do, I mean, does he remind you of anyone? I mean, this kid, uh, you know, didn't have his greatest game last night. He was saddled with a little bit of foul trouble and, and just two for eight from the field. But we we saw a lot of him in the preseason. Um, 
it seems like he's he's one of the most versatile players that we've seen around here in quite some time. Oh, definitely. I, I think Elijah Hughes can be a combination of, you know, the guys that we got here that's, you know, that's seniors and juniors, you know, and Tyus and Frank. Uh, Elijah can be able to make plays for other people. He's just not a jump shooter. Uh, but he also can go out there and, you know, score like Tyus. Uh, so I think he, he can be a combination of both, who, which really complements, you know, our team and, you know, those guys up there. So uh, really, really excited to have an Elijah Hughes. And I think, again, another guy, big things are coming. He looks like a totally different guy in terms of his physical conditioning this year versus last year at this right. time. And what what did he do over the course of his redshirt season to, to change his body? I think the best thing about redshirting is you get to see a lot. Uh, you can get to take a step back, but you're still in the fire in terms of just practicing every day. Uh, and the one thing I think he's seen was, you know, from a physical standpoint, he needed to, you know, slim down uh, and, and gain muscle. Uh, especially watching Tyus every day, who is a freak of nature. When you see his body, he's a god, you know, when you look at him. So uh, I, I think that's one of the things that, you know, you he's seen instantly. Uh, even Frank, you know, Frank, you know, 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, you know, his body fat is under 10. I mean, he's, you know, he's a freak too in terms of, you know, being a point guard at his size. So I think that's the one thing that, you know, Elijah were able to see right away and, and notice and said, you know what, in, in order for me to be the player that I need to be and be able to help this team uh, reach the heights that we need to reach, um, I need to do something instantly, and that's the first thing that he did. And uh, Ryan, who was, who was our strength coach, has done a great job. Are you, what, was your, what was your body fat when you were a player? Tyus is at like four. Oh, it wasn't four. four. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't four. I mean, that's an insane number, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, not a lot of people, you know, walking this earth is a, a four body fat, you know, let alone a kid who can eat anything that he wants and drink anything that he wants, you know, and at the end of the day be a 4% body fat. So it's unbelievable. You said freak athlete. And at some point we had to talk about this on the show, and I feel like we got to bring it up when you say freak athlete. Uh, Zion Williamson last night. Oh. Um, and I don't think he's got a 4% body fat, um, but, man, that kid can get up and down the floor. His – what he did last night, I mean, aside, we, we all know him from dunking the basketball, but his ability to block shots and run the floor and a couple of those passes he made in transition, man, that kid can do it all. Oh, unbelievable talent. You know, the one thing I can say is, you know, off the rip, fans out there, people that's listening, I'm not calling him LeBron James. I'm not telling him that he's anything close to LeBron James at this point. What I am saying is from a talent perspective and when you see him do the things that he did, the only other person that I've seen with my own two eyes who's done it up front and <laughs> live in person was LeBron and Zion Williams. Uh, and from, a, from a specific athletic standpoint, unbelievable. He had that one play last night where he blocked a shot. I'll use, I'll use quotes because he didn't really block it. He just kind of caught the shot in midair and then puts the ball on the floor. Uh, you know, he gets to half court and then just a pinpoint bounce pass in transition for a dunk. I mean, it was, like you said, it was LeBron-esque and, and in no way, shape, or form we comparing him to, to LeBron, but you're right. I mean, that was that was something we could see LeBron do. Oh, definitely. He, he was a, a man amongst boys last night. You know who did that? when he was in college, Derek Coleman 
Yeah, you're right. That was a Derek Coleman play. You're right. Only Derek Coleman didn't weigh as much as Zion does. <laughs> and, you know, when, when Derek was a junior. He's 285. Yeah. It's crazy. He said, I saw He's a stat just, last night that if he was in the NBA right now, he'd be the, the, the second heaviest player in the NBA. It's unreal. He's 285. What is he, 19 years old? Whatever Who, he is. Who's the first? That's the, that's the question. Yeah, that'd be some big center. Who is it? Go ahead. Tommy Tommy knows the answer to this. Boban Marjanovic. Oh, there we go. I couldn't Seven remember who it was. Four. It came up on oh, our show earlier guy. today. That's the yeah. guy that don't even have to jump the dunk. No, <laughs> he's 7'4", 290. Yeah, only five yeah. pounds heavier. Yeah, that's five unbelievable. That's our producer, Tommy Hogan. I, I knew he knew the I forgot what it was. Thank you, Tommy, for, for chiming in. But yeah, he would be the, the second heaviest player in the NBA right now. Unreal. Hey, is Zion the best player on the Duke roster, or is it R.J. Barrett? <sighs> you know what? I'm, you know, I'm a big East Coast guy, and I'm going to go with, you know, I, th- I think a lot of people are sleeping on uh, Cam Reddish. Oh, I think Cam Reddish is an unbelievable talent. I think Cam Reddish, you know, when he figures it out, is Penny Hardaway ish, you know, and you know, not to say he's with good knees. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think from a, you know, talent standpoint, Cam Reddish can do everything. You know, he has the athleticism, he has the length, he has the size as a guard, he has the ability to shoot, he has the ability to get by people. Um, that's not taken away from Zion, it's not taken away from uh, Barrett. I'm just saying, like, I, I just, overall, I think Cam Reddish, from a talent perspective, is the guy. I know that you're getting ready for Moorhead State. Um, I think Mike and I can at least look ahead to and, and anticipate what it would be like when, when we see Syracuse against Duke. And you get yeah. them twice this year. No. That's going to be a whole lot of fun. When you're watching that game last night, are you thinking to, myself, are you thinking to yourself, how are we going to slow these guys down? They just they hung 100 on Kentucky in like 30 minutes. You know what? You know, all I thought about, honestly, watching that game is like, wow. It's a really <laughs> talented team, dude. So you had the same reaction we did. Uh, no, no question. I, I had the same reaction that millions of people who, who was watching the game had, you know. Like, this, these, this guy, these guys can, you know, if they put it together, which they're still young, you sure. know, and, and they still got some learning to do, you know. So if these guys put it together, they can be scary well, or you, good. You got about 17 more games to watch and see if anybody else can help you out with a way to beat them. You know, Crack I, the cheat code. You know what? We do what we do. Uh, and I, I think that's the great thing about Syracuse basketball over the years is that we don't try to recreate the will. We just go out there and just do what we do. And you know what? It'll lead us to victory sometimes, and sometimes it'll, it'll get us. But for the most part, you know, Coach Braham not in the Hall of Fame if he didn't do what he did, you know, day, day in, day out. You know, one thing that stood out to me last night, and Kentucky's got players. They'll be bad. Mm. They'll, be, they'll be okay, but – their transition defense was horrible. It yeah. was like they were shell shocked almost. Yeah. Well, when you could put four guys out there that can all push and start the break, mm-hmm. it is very, very hard and difficult. Especially knowing, you know, Kentucky, you know, with the athleticism, you know, Coach Kyle is saying like, listen, we need to pound these guys on the offensive glass. And when you send three to four guys on the offensive glass and you ain't getting the rebounds, and they get the rebounds. And you got four guys that can push it. It can be a long night. And I just think that that was one of the things that happened to Kentucky. They they just wasn't getting their offensive rebounds. Duke was getting the rebounds, and their skilled players were getting the rebounds. And they just were starting to break, and the rest was history. I know the rankings this time of year don't matter at all, but Duke came into that game fourth. Kansas was first. Kansas won. Based on what we saw, and maybe this is a better question for you, Mike, um, with you know. The voting and how it works and, and so on and so forth. Do you think Duke jumps Kansas and is the new number one next week, even though Kansas won, based on what we saw? 
I don't know. It, it might depend on what you thought of Michigan State and Kentucky. Like, if you thought Michigan State was a pretty good team and Kansas beat those guys, maybe you stay, if, if you had Kansas at one already, eh, maybe you could. You know, people don't resist change. Sure. They don't want to admit they're wrong. You know, not necessarily, no, it's okay. Kansas won. I'm not going to admit that Duke's better. Just from what I saw last night, I'm not voting in the AP poll this year, but I would have Duke number one after Right. That. I mean, how could I? Yeah. I guess that's my point is how could you not? <laughs> you know, I, Kansas is good though. No, they're good. I, I get it. But yes. based on what we saw last night, I I mean, I think Duke is the best team in the country after one game for whatever that's worth. For whatever that's worth. You know what I think too with these guys that's voting, they look at Kansas experience sure. and what they bring back. You know, and uh the one thing those guys are really battle tested. So um I would say going into it, I would still leave Kansas at number one just right. because of that very reason, and then we'll see what happens after that. All right. It was very impressive, though, nonetheless. The beautiful thing about college basketball is the rankings don't really matter. We get to play it out in March, and you know it's not like college football where you got to be in the top four or it's it's pointless. You As long as you're in the mix, you, you, you get to prove it on the court. I can't wait for us to talk about this football team. Come on, fellas. Let's get to this football team. How much time do we have here. left? We've got 15 minutes. Why don't we take our final we time out? We'll come back. We'll talk a little football right. with Alan Griffin. 315-437-7644. Still time to check in with a phone call. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. This is the Alan Griffin Show. Here's your host, Stephen Fonte. All right, we're back on the Alan Griffin Show. Stephen Fonte, Mike Waters, and Coach Griffin with you for another 10 minutes or so. 315-437-7644. All right, Alan, you said you wanted to talk some football. Uh, this Q's football team continues to, to climb in the national polls. 13th in both the AP and the coaches, and then the college football playoff poll released last night just after you guys wrapped up inside the Dome, and number 13 in the country, and controlling its own destiny, I would say, not so much for the playoff, but controlling its own destiny for a big-time bowl. I mean, if they win out, you're talking Fiesta Bowl, you're talking Peach Bowl. I mean, the fact that these are that these bowls are even in the conversation, it's, uh, it's quite remarkable. Wow, it's unbelievable. You know, the football team has done an excellent job. Coach Babers has done a phenomenal job with this group. Um, Dungy, it's Dungy time. Like I said last week, it's Dungy time. And uh, it's just bringing back so many memories when I was in school because I was very fortunate to have a quarterback by the name of Donovan McNabb and the teams that he played on and, and, and the teams that he won with. And uh, it just brings me back to those times, and I'm really excited and really happy for those guys. How much does it? change just like the the feeling up there at the especially within just the athletic department to have a football team that's qualified for a bowl winning some games nationally ranked versus just like two three years ago and they really were down it's exciting times to be honest you know you know the conversation in practice after practice excuse me is is like all right especially on football days it's like all right who's going to the game and you know you know, nine times out of ten, a couple of years ago, they would say not too many guys would go. But now half our team, almost all our team goes, and the whole coaching staff. You know, the crazy thing about Coach Bainham is win, lose, or draw, he is always at the games at home. Always. Regardless if the team is not good, very good that year, or regardless if the teams are really good that year, he's always at the game showing support. And I think our whole coaching staff goes there with our families too. So it's um, it's exciting times. 
It, it's it's not just football games either. I remember a few years ago, I ran into Coach Beheim in the press box at a lacrosse game. He just he supports oh. the oh, teams yeah. across the board. He's 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 been like that for for as for long years. as I can remember. For years. Um, you can relate to this question because you obviously were a big time athlete here. Uh, senior night. It's senior night in, in the dome on Friday night. What does it mean for these guys to to play their final game? And you know, in the football. The football team in particular has has this deal where you know the attendance has you know slowly but surely kind of come back to where it used to be. Now you guys always played in front of a packed house uh, on the basketball side of things, but how important is it to have a big crowd there? You know, supporting you. It's your last game. It's your last go around, and, and you know you want the place full. I would I would expect. Oh, definitely, and I think um, everybody should come out and support these guys because they laid it on the line all year. You know, and some of these guys for four years. Excuse me. Um, and, um, you know, the experience of senior night is one that you will never forget as a student athlete, regardless of what sport you play. Uh, especially, you know, for me, I can just go off my experience. Um, you know, going into my senior night, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I was just coming into the Dome and, you know, my emotions were high because, one, I had a lot of family and friends coming in town. But, two, it was a game that we needed. We, You know, we needed to play. We needed to you know, win the game, and uh, and I, you know, I, me being one of the leaders on that team, I had to be able to, you know, kind of set aside my feel, my emotions at that time, and you know, be as business as usual, uh, and um, it, 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 it's an unbelievable feeling, especially if you win afterwards. I I don't think I've been a part of too many uh, senior nights where you know the teams that I've coached or been a part of is have lost. So uh, it, it's it's a it's a great feeling. Finish the story, the whole story of senior night. Your grandmother <laughs> oh, came yeah. to that game, right? Yeah. Yeah, my grandmother came to that game, and, um, you know, I was a pretty, ta- you know, highly regard player in high school, New York City and Brooklyn. And it was, you know, I went to high school, you know, 15, 20 minutes from where I grew up at. And, you know, my senior night at college was my grandmother's first game ever watching me play. Uh, so, again, you know, knowing that she was coming and, and it was just one of those things where it was it was going to go down regardless win lose or draw is one of something that I wouldn't would you know never experience ever again and it was just unbelievable for me. Might as well go out and win it, right? I mean, definitely. She, you know. definitely. <laughs> How'd you do that game? I'm going to tee one up for you here. Uh, How did you? Come? How did you do on senior night, Alan? Was was that the triple double? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. he says it like toot, he doesn't remember. Trying, yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna toot my own horn a little bit. I'm I'm still the only pl- the last player to ever have, have a triple double. You know, Mike was gonna say that, so I'll steal his thunder a little bit. I wasn't wow, gonna say it. I was teeing it up for him, letting him yeah. brag. Yeah, a little bit. What a memory. Was it hard? We've got about 30 seconds left in the show. It's a great way to end the show. But was it hard to put the emotions aside? Oh, definitely. Definitely. But I I think, you know, the one thing, um, you know, know, Dungy and the guys, I know they want to go out with a bang. And they know that this is one more step, you know, in terms of getting to their promised land. So I I think they'll do a great job of kind of putting their stuff aside and and be able to go out there and perform the way they need to. 7 o'clock kick inside the Dome on Friday night, ESPN 2 between Syracuse and Louisville, and 7 o'clock the following night, Syracuse, Moorhead State basketball. We're out of time. For Alan Griffin, for Mike Waters, I'm Stephen Fonte. Have a great night, everybody.